Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. How is everybody doing? Harry Alexander with you, along with Bunker de France yep. uh, here in Tucson and Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. And uh, we are streaming to you today from the uh, White Stallion Ranch, just north of Tucson, because they're one of our sponsors, and that's why we do that. And you know what was neat? was driving in, there was a bunch of folks heading out, horseback riding, and they were heading up to where we used to shoot the chaparral. There I you go. That was just you know, so neat. Speaking of the chaparral, today's program is a, a very special one. It is our movie Saturday program, and uh, we're going to remember the life and career of one actor, Henry Darrow. And to do that with us is uh, we have two guests to do that, and uh, we have Susan McRae in uh, California and Don Collier out in Kentucky. Don was uh, Sam Butler on the High Chaparral series. Susan was the cast director for the show. Bunker de France was one of the stunt men on the show, and I used to watch it, and Todd Roberts used to watch it. So there we are. Welcome. I sure did. <laughs> Welcome, Susan and Don. And Don. What, what a well, I do. Welcome to you. Nice to see you all. Yes. So, Henry Darrow, quite the character. Uh, uh, Madalito Montoya was the character on, yes. uh, on the Chaparral, and uh, Susan was kind enough to send me a couple of uh, interviews that she had done with with Henry, and uh, I don't remember the dates on that, and it's not really that important anyway. Um, but uh, I thought we would start out with one clip here where Henry talks about how he got his start. So let's go ahead and roll that one before we get going. And here it comes. Here we go. Well, I was doing a play, one of these plays where um, you got paid. And um, this play called The Wonderful Ice Cream Suit was written by the wonderful writer uh, Ray Bradbury. And it was taken from a short story. And six Mexican-Americans, they chip in each $10. Um, five of them put up their 10 bucks on the sixth fellow. Mm-hmm. is a grease monkey who works at uh, at a gas station and fixes and repairs cars, and he's really a slob, and so we take his $10 to buy our $60 suit. And so for um, five days in a row, the rest of us use the suit. I sort of become a Romeo character. and I can't imagine why. <laughs> anyway, David Dortork goes and happens to see the play, mm-hmm. and he went to see someone else in the play. And the next thing I had heard eventually was that a writer named Denbart uh, Petticlerk. Denny. Denny, Denny Petticlerk. Denny Petticlerk came and saw what I was doing, and... Uh, David said, um, yeah, create a character for this film. And uh, that's how Henry got his start. <laughs> wow. He got, you know, yeah. His, I recommend Henry's biography, his autobiography, his autobiography, because you talk about all the trials and tribulations that a young actor goes through. You know, Don knows the story. He lived it. But... Uh, it's it's a great I can't Susan do you remember the name of his biography I can't think of it right now it's uh oh gosh something in a bottle lightning in a bottle that's it lightning Lightning in a bottle yeah yeah Yeah. highly recommended I remember seeing uh, uh, Henry in a Gunsmoke episode uh, where he he is he's playing an itinerant uh, a Mexican just looking for work uh, he and his family and he takes the job as the hangman in this episode and uh, the conflict that he has with that. But it's a job. You hang around long enough, you get a job. Well, I'll tell you something. You know, in the late 60s, Henry was the ultimate Latin heartthrob on TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he had that style and killer smile, and he just brightened up the screen, you know. Of course, our, our Don Collier also brightened up the screen, but this, Thanks, this was a... That's okay, dear. <laughs> anyway, he, he just, you know, that Hispanic actor 
Uh, he was just magnificent in it, and and let's face it, he also portrayed the only Hispanic actor who portrayed Zorro on TV. Twice, three, so, three times, you know, yeah. So he he was really something. So Don, did you have any encounters with Henry Darrow prior to the High Chaparral? No, I didn't meet him until we did the show. What were your initial uh, impressions? Well, the first time I saw him is when uh, we were all called out of the Paramount to meet each other and get board room. Billy Claxon was going to give us a, a pep talk and all that, and uh, uh, we met him there. We all got our order Western costume, we got fit and everything, and then uh, the next time was uh, done in Tucson. We're ready to shoot the pilot. Nice. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a great story you tell, Don, about... You're picking out your outfit and getting that great-looking leather shirt and just how perfect it fit the uh, temperature in Tucson. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, uh, yeah, I was uh, a, a drugstore cowboy. I used to love to watch all the Westerns on TV. And and when Billy sent us over to Western Costume, which is right next door to Paramount, they gave uh, each one of us a wardrobe person, and, and that person was going to dress us. And I forgot who I got, a good guy. And we go in this dressing room and there's mirrors all around. I've never been treated so nice. And uh, we start putting on clothes. And I looked over the corner, I saw this leather shirt over there on a, on a dummy. And I, man, it was, it was Western. It was cowboy. <laughs> and I said, hey, I love it. He said, no, you don't want that shirt. I said, yeah, but look at it. You know, he said, don't forget about it. And he had me try on some more shirts and pants. And, I kept looking over at that western shirt. My mouth was watering. I knew I was going to kill a cowboy with that shirt on. And finally, he said, all right, put the damn thing on. We'll see what it looks like. And I slipped into that yellow, looked at myself in the mirror with my cowboy hat on. And, man, I fell in love. Here I was, my western pants, my leather shirt. I was ready to go. And we went to Tucson, and uh, it, it, it was, uh, I think we shot the pilot in July, about the end of July. That's uh, the temperature. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, and, one of the nice things about that outfit, though, is that leather shirt, it didn't show the sweat. It just kept it all inside. And so, you know, you always look clean. Sure did. <laughs> the only problem was everything stuck to him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I couldn't believe it. I, I told Billy after about the first three days that Billy had to change his shirt. He says, no, you don't. You're stuck with it. You, so, so. you wanted it. Yeah, there you yeah. go. I well, wanted it. He did do me a favor. The next year, he... He said, listen, he said, I'll have that shirt made out of horse hide. It's a little better. And he did. He, yeah, I got a shirt made out of horse hide. Instead of God, it was a little better. Nice. Well, I got our a question. Wardrobe, remember, Don, our wardrobe guy was Pat Kelly, remember? Yes, I do, yeah. Pat Kelly. Yeah. Well, does anybody Pat know Kelly. any stories about Henry's wardrobe? Do I? Yeah, do you know any I, stories? Well, I can... Uh, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, he loved his hat more than anything. Uh, he he held on to that hat like nobody's business, and he he felt that that was the sexiest thing he ever saw. And he wanted to really. Uh, you'll notice that he really wore a lot of it uh, in yeah. the uh, in the show. But I, I do remember one thing, and that that was uh, you know when. Unfortunately, we had to replace Montoya, um, but but we replaced him with Gilbert Rowland. Mm -hmm. And Gilbert Rowland came to the set, and Henry was just really admired him so much. Yeah. And he t he admired one thing in particular. He had a gold tip walking stick, and. Gilbert Rowland brought his own walking stick and he used it on the show. Mm. If you watch that show, you'll see it. Yeah. And 
And uh, so Henry wanted to have, all of a sudden we got a message in the office. Henry wanted a walking stick. <laughs> 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 and there was no reason for it. You know, he didn't need a walking stick, but he just thought that was so cool. He, he wanted one, you know? Well, if we'd gone to Kentucky, we could have had one. No, he didn't get it. Uh, Kent didn't. Kent felt that he really didn't need a walking stick. <laughs> Bunker, no, you have, Bunker, you have any stories about Henry Darrell? Oh well, yeah, actually, I've got. I do have one. Uh, the first year, we they had a really great cast party. Everybody was there. I was dating this little gal that was in the ballet company here in Tucson. And so I took her, you know, I mean, I'm spiffed up. I got a, I got a tweed sport coat on with a white turtleneck. I mean, I looked like, I look, hey, I, I looked like some, some clown out of Beverly Hills. And you I got, look, you look, listen, you look pretty spiffy. I got to say that. Yeah. But I, and I had her on my arm and she's walking around big eyed looking at everybody. And I'm introducing the people. And I take her over to Henry to introduce her. But somebody took a picture of that. And I've got the picture at home. Excuse me? And, uh, Excuse me? What? Hello? Yeah. Excuse me. What, what, Todd? What's up, Todd? What happened? I don't know. But go on with your... Oh, any, anyhow, uh, the, the, the picture captures the moment. There she is on my arm. I am totally out of her mind. <laughs> Her eyes are just locked onto Henry, and Henry's got that charming smile, and I lost her for the evening. I mean, it was like she was floating all evening long. That's the last time I ever introduced a girl. I'll bet bet that's right. (laughs) Oh, golly. Go ahead. What about? No, whatever. You were going to ask a question or what? Oh, I don't know what I was going to say. Okay. Yeah. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having too much well, fun I know to pay what attention. I say. All right. You go. know, Henry, Henry was not only a, a really wonderful actor, but he also founded Nosotros with Ricardo Montalban, mm-hmm. and he also started a committee, a minority committee with SAG, which was founded by he and Ricardo. And it really helped the Latin actors help uh, find wonderful parts and be included in all of these uh, actors who would come in for interviews. You know, one of the things that you you mentioned in Ricardo and and Gilbert Rowan, and you can put uh, Henry with those two guys because they were the classic romantic Latin guys. And yeah, they, they could were. do the westerns, and they could do the straight stuff. I liked in the uh, in the interview that uh, he did with Susan, the, the, the first one that uh, you sent to me, where he talks about doing Cyrano de Bergerac. You remember that, right. Susan? Yes, definitely. And, and uh, I, I just thought that that's, that's pretty cool. That is cool. I remember seeing Henry in a movie, uh, a B western. Um, that I'm sure lots of people want to forget, and the only reason I watched it was so everybody else didn't have to. Blackmail. Uh, Revenge of the Virgins, and uh, God, that was an awful movie. <laughs> Jesus. Well, speaking of speaking of, of of movies, I've got a small list here of some of the movies that Henry did uh, from 1977 on, and I'm sure I missed several of them. But he did one called uh, Computer Wizard or Where's Willie and uh, with Guy Madison and, of course, the kid playing Willie. He did another one called Death Blow with Martin Landau and Frank St- uh, Stallone and Jerry Van Dyke, Terry Moore. He, his uh, castmates were not that great. <laughs> Anyhow, and then he did well. In D- Dangerous Company, followed up with uh, L.A. Bounty, with that wonderful actress Sybil uh, Downing, Danning, noted for wearing loincloths more than anything else, and uh, they did the last of the finest uh, with Brian Dennehy, which was a was a pretty decent little show, and he did Mom Can I Keep Her, uh, which is about a little boy who 
a 500-pound gorilla follows him home. And then the one that probably even Harry, uh, Henry would like to forget, which was tequila body shots. <laughs> and that's, well, that's I, kind of I have summation. a feeling he would... I'm sure he wanted to forget many of those. Yeah. We've all done those. Well, you know, it, it's it's like... it's in my in my profession working at various radio stations there is just some that you don't really want to mention because lots of people know the know the uh, know what that station's all about so yeah you just don't mention those <laughs> well i'll tell you one thing that he did do and he won an emmy for it was the daytime soap opera santa barbara yes and uh a martinez went up and, and got it for him he couldn't make the awards dinner but I got to tell you something. He was terrific in that soap opera. And I used to watch Santa Barbara. Agents knew they couldn't call me at <laughs> 1 o'clock in the afternoon because I was watching Santa Barbara. That's pretty good. And, and uh, when I saw Henry on there, I was so thrilled. I called Lauren immediately. I said, oh, my gosh, he's on my favorite soap opera. And he really was uh, recognized for that uh, and several awards. Well, you know, he also did a couple of TV series, which were good shows. Glad he, he did Harry O. And uh, uh, Star Trek. Well, I'm talking about series where he was regular. Oh, regular. Okay. Yeah. And he did Me and Mom, uh, which was a nice little family show. And he did the new Dick Van Dyke show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and I cast him on Harry, and I cast him on Hawaii Five-O. Yeah. All right. We're going to take our first break here. We are talking, uh, we're remembering the life of uh, actor Henry Darrow. You knew him as Madalito Montoya on the High Chaparral series. He was in a bunch of other things, too. Our guests are Susan McRae and Don Collier, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. Uh, we'll be back with much more right after these very, very important messages. Stay tuned. The land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777 is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. America. Let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. Coming to you from the great southwestern United States. You're darn tootin'. Yes, sir, Bob. This is the Voices of the West. Rhyme down. 
to Santa Fe Just beyond the mountains and across the way See that sun hang low in the west Or the land I'm loving the best We are back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West Harry Alexander with you and uh, Bunker to France In Los Angeles, it's Todd Roberts Our guests uh, on this uh, program is uh, We have two guests Susan McRae, the casting director for the High Chaparral series And actor Don Collier, who was Sam Butler on uh, on that series We're talking about uh, the late Henry Darrow Hey Don Yeah Do you have any uh, particular episode that where you and I know you did the, the episode where you, you go back to your dying dead wife was your favorite, but do you have any episodes yeah. that you did with uh, Henry that stand out that are special? Uh, well, any time you worked with Henry, it was fun. It was it was exciting to work with him. He's a good actor. But uh, let me tell you something. He was one of the cheapest people I ever met. <laughs> me, me and Bobby Hoy and Henry would go out to dinner at the old Cork Cleaver. And we'd have a couple of Navy grogs to start out with. And then we'd order. The guy would come around. Right well, Bobby and I was ordered steak and, avocado and an artichoke. And Henry would say, I'm not really hungry. I'm just going to just drink. So they would bring our food. You know, we'd have a couple more drinks and started to talk and all that and we'd lose track of time and uh, Henry would reach over there and snag a bite of Bobby's steak and uh, he'd rip a couple of pieces of my artichoke and then uh, and then pretty soon you know after we'd had about three or four more drinks uh, and the check came we would uh, look at the bill and, and we'd look around for Henry and he wasn't there so Bobby and I'd pay the check Bobby and I'd pay the check and then we'd go outside there and Henry's waiting by the car and uh so our brilliant, marvelous actor was one of the cheapest people I ever met. <laughs> well, it sounds like he I found a couple of easy guys. Or not, we love him. <laughs> that is funny. Todd, you got any questions you want to throw in here? What's that? No, I was asking Todd. Todd Roberts, you got anything you want to throw in there? Have I lost you? I do. Oh, there you are. I do. <laughs> Go for it. Well, I, I, I have my Henry. I have my. Well, I have my one Henry Darrow story, uh, Darrow story. When we were making Monty Walsh, we were my my dad had us booked in the Tucson Hilton. Oh God! For uh, for for the entire production that whole summer of seventy sixty nine, and uh, one day we came back uh, from the set and we went to our rooms and. I'm walking down the hallway, and here's this fella sitting on his suitcases. They're all stacked up together, and he's sitting on them in the middle of the hallway. And we all walk by him, and uh, my whole family, and, uh, you know, we were at, out at Old Tucson shooting Monty Walsh and at Mescal as well. So, I mean, we were there to make that film, but I loved the High Chaparral, and I used to try to f constantly figure out how to watch it during the week, which didn't always work out because I had a brother and a sister in the room with me and my mom and so on. But walking down the hallway and I look up and as I get closer, I start to recognize the face and I realize that it's Henry Darrow. And we're walking along and I go, Mano! And he looks at me and he winks and kind of points his finger at me and you know, gives me a little, hey, you know, high, kind of like a, a high five, but with a gesture. And my whole family looked at me and they were like, oh, my God, we're so embarrassed. Can you not be, can you behave yourself ever? I said, that's Mano from High Chaparral. He's my buddy. And they, he was just as friendly as you could imagine. A very, very sweet guy. The rest of the time I'd see him in the hotel, he always waved at me. Funny. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's you know, I was nine years okay. old, so that helps. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he was that way I'll with the tourists out at Old Tucson. Was, if somebody, he, you know, he especially loved if you were, the fans. I'm sorry, go ahead, Susan. I was talking over you. He, he, no, he loved the fans very much, and they just adored him. And, I mean, from all over the, not only this country, but all over the world, they were crazy about him. 
and and uh, he just related to them and loved them very much. And uh, you know, they'd see him, and they'd actually call him by his his given name. They call him Enrique, you know, because his his real name was Enrique Thomas Delgado, and and uh, Henry Delgado was his name until he. His uh, agent helped him change it to Darrow. <coughs> mm. That name-changing business, how, how does how does that work? I mean, uh, it seems that I know in broadcasting a lot of us have assumed names, um, and, and we do that in order for privacy and, and uh, that kind of, a, at least that's what I do, <laughs> for privacy purposes. Well, uh, people all over well, town looking for Harry Alexander. <laughs> you, you know, uh, Don Collier is not really Don Collier, you know. Who is he? Don? Oh, yes. No, no I, I changed my name in 1947. I, I had an agent at that time, and uh, we were talking, and uh, and he's, he says... Uh, he says, he says, that real name of yours, my real name is Munger, Don Munger. And uh, I've been sitting over reading the Collier's Magazine, and he says that Munger's not a good name for a, a guy that's going to be a big star in the movie business. And I had to agree with it. And he says, what do you want to change it to? And I looked at that magazine, and I said, what Collier? He said, that's fine, so I changed it to Collier. There you go. Well, Susan, let me ask you this. This was the name I was thinking of using. Ebenezer Sneezer, Callahan Booster, Robert Bent Jr. Because I figured the name that long, how could they, you know, how could they not remember me? Oh, that's very cute. <laughs> and this is why you were a stuntman. <laughs> yes, yes. I'll tell you a one story about a picture and resume that came to me that I always will remember, and Kent just got hysterical. I went running into his office. I used to get stacks and stacks of pictures and resumes, as you can imagine. And one stood out, and I couldn't stop looking at it. It was a picture of the back of the head of this actor. It wasn't his front, it wasn't his face, it was the back of his head. Now you know as well as I do. I don't think anything needs to be more said about it. I think, I think Susan put it perfectly. It's very cute. <laughs> we just had to see what it looked like. That's that's pretty good. So mm -hmm. he he would have been uh, uh, casting as a stand-in. Is that right? <laughs> Over the shoulder. Oh, the job. <laughs> he came in and read for me. I had to have him read because I had to see if this guy could really act. He, all I saw was the bald spot in the back of his head, you know. And and I got to be honest, he couldn't act his way out of a paper bag. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but but I had, always will remember that picture. <laughs> he had, but he had the best bald spot in Hollywood. There you go. Unbelievable. <laughs> That's too funny. Oh, yeah. That's too funny. Well. No, I think you know. You brought up changing your name. I was always taught that your first name should be one syllable, and your second name should be two, so that it's. It can be remembered easily that way. That's what they tell me. Mm -hmm. Either that way or the opposite. You know. Yeah, maybe that's what I should have done. I, I'm in the midst here of <laughs> replying. If I'm not uh, uh, paying a whole lot of attention, I'm in the midst of replying to chats, uh, uh, questions that have been posed oh, to well, us. And, uh, so. Well, we've already answered some of these questions. Uh, how did Henry, Don, and the rest of the cast feel about Gilbert Rowland repla replacing Frank uh, Silvera? Um, I didn't hear an answer to that. Well, they think uh, th this person thinks that he was a brilliant choice and really wished the show would have continued, as do so many of us. So do we. Yeah. Yes. Tell me. <laughs> it yeah. should have continued. It really should have. It should have. But it's unfortunate. But... Rick, uh, um, he's, Gilbert Rowland was absolutely perfect for that role. Perfect. Do you think, did either of you think, Donna and Susan, do you think that the show could come back in some fashion? I mean, obviously not with the same players, but, uh, or it could with the same players if that were even possibility. But how can we bring that show back? 
I don't think very, we can. I think it's very tough to do it now. Um, Let me it, pitch. It, for several reasons. Several reasons. Uh, the the, uh, the world is very odd these days. Uh, the politics are very odd. The, the different things that are that are happening, it would be difficult to bring stories about Indians, about the Mexicans, about all of that. It, it could get very involved and very difficult these days. Let me throw a pitch at you. I'm going to pitch a, a new show. It's called The High Chaparral. Now, this show, unlike the original, takes place around 1924. The old ranch has yeah. gone through generations, and at the present time, to get by, they're running as a dude ranch and working ranch. Now, it just so happens a Hollywood company comes to the, comes to that part of the country and says, we want to shoot a movie on your ranch. And they say, okay, and so they, put, they shoot a movie and they build a little <laughs> western town, and the old uh, heirs of the cannon say, leave the town. About five years later, it's a booming movie location. Uh, you have all of the you have Hollywood types coming and going. You have the border situation happening. It's It's been modernized, but not totally modernized. It's still the chaparral. It's still the ranch. Sounds like a good idea. And if you want to use me, you'd better hurry. Well, you're, 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 you are you are the storyteller at the ranch. Okay, you, you got a deal. <laughs> I'll agree to anything. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Show business, business is life, you know. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right, we're going to do our next commercial break here. We're talking about the life of actor Henry Darrow with... Uh, Susan McRae, she was the casting director on the High Chaparral series, and actor Don Collier, who was the uh, who was Sam Butler on the High Chaparral series. Uh, Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. Bunker DeFrance is here, and I'm Harry Alexander, and I'm here as well. We'll be back with much more of our show right after these important messages. Do stay tuned. Looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. First, contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 skeet fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Hi everyone, it's Susan McRae and welcome to Chaparral Roundup. As you know, I've postponed the March event to October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd so we can all relax, have a great time with great dinners, a great lunch at the White Stallion Ranch, Q&A panels, screenings of a couple of our favorite High Chaparral shows, the documentary of Kent McRae, 
so we can honor him during his favorite reunion. And we have a great silent auction to benefit the Robert F. Hoy and Eva Hoy charity at the Tucson Medical Center. If you're already registered for March, you're automatically registered for October. But if you're not, you better register by September 17th. I look forward to seeing you all, and so does Don, with his confessions of an acting cowboy. You'll have fun. See you in October for the Chaparral Roundup at Lodge on the Desert in Tucson, Arizona. Mr. Manolito, you come to join up with us, or you just running for protection? Oh, man, back, please. That poor girl, you know, she... She misunderstood my my tender friendship for deep love. Deep love, huh? Well, the next time we come to town, you're going to ramrod this outfit. And you're going to live under my conditions. No red eye, no mezcal, no pulque, no nada. You're going to nursemaid me and Blue Boy. Right. Oh, please, you know me. I have such a, a, a weak character. <laughs> come on, Romeo. This is the Voices of the West. Emil Francis of Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. And we're talking about uh, the life of Henry Darrow, Margarito Montoya on the High Chaparral series. And that particular uh, little cut there came from uh, the episode The Covey. And uh, on the horn with us is uh, Susan McRae, the casting director for the program, and uh, actor Don Collier. That was so delightful. And yeah, I, you know, that was one of the. Uh, uh, that was a great episode too. The 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 coming. Well, they were all great, you know, no question about it. But uh, I do have some questions from uh, some listeners. And Susan, one of the questions is directed towards you. What is your favorite episode? Oh my goodness! I'll tell you my actually my favorite episode was the pilot. The pilot of High Chaparral was probably one of the greatest westerns I've ever seen. Uh, the the production value was amazing. The location, the acting, everything about it was superb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. You know, uh, just one little. I had a thought here. Uh, we never talk about the, sometimes the man behind the man, and in this case, I'm thinking of Carl Petty, who uh, oh. doubled uh, Henry. Did a lot of stunt work, and he was yes. taught taught Henry how to use the bullwhip. And uh, Susan, would you like to tell us a little bit about that good combination? Oh, Carl was just the best. Well, Don knew Carl very well too. Every everything he did was absolutely the best. If you you knew that everything was done properly, for for was it was Carl. Um, and he really did show Henry a lot of things that that he could do uh, with that whip, with with everything. It was just he was fantastic and a great double for him. Oh, yeah. Absolutely great double. And he worked. I'll tell you one thing about Carl. Carl was great with almost anything. Yeah. Guns, uh, bows and arrows, whips, ropes. Right. And we had a shot there. We were fighting the Indians, and Bobby and I are hiding in a in an overturned wagon. And the Indians are are firing bows and arrows at us. And for some reason, Billy wanted an arrow uh, to hit close to my face. And uh, we did. And Carl had, for some reason, he had no stringer. I mean, he could rig a, a a path for the arrow. But uh, I'd seen Carl use a bow and arrow before, and, and Carl says, uh, "Do you mind if I fire one at you?" And I said, "No." Uh, but you better not miss. And uh, <laughs> he got back there, by the way. He's about 15 feet away, and uh, and the Billy says, roll. And uh, he shot that arrow, and man, it landed about two or three inches from my nose. <laughs> but my faith was in Carl. Carl can do anything with a whip, a gun, bow and arrow, uh, horseback. Uh, he was a really uh, talented guy. We were, we were fortunate to have him. Yeah. He was fantastic. Um, he, he was. Don, one of our listeners wants you to know that after discovering the high chaparral again, 
that was uh, that this person was so tickled when they saw you in paradise Hawaiian style and when Elvis pushed you and also equally tickled at the hubba bubba gubba, bubble gum commercials if you can't say how that's fine lol <laughs> and also another listener Don wants to know uh, what's your best memory of Henry outside of the uh, the, <laughs> the restaurant he was a cheapskate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was a regular guy, but he was a marvelous actress, no doubt about that. And uh, uh, it was always a treat to to work with him, even to do a little bit with him, because he was uh, he gave you so much, you know, that you could coast with him in the scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had parties at his house. We socialized a lot, and, and he was a regular guy, a good guy liked him very much. Another listener chats to us, besides the brilliant acting by the entire cast, which they found astounding about the High Chaparral, and Henry Darrow was the groundbreaking barriers of casting roles among actors uh, who were actually Hispanic or Apache, and calling out Correct. racism during a time of great racial strife in America. This uh, particular listener became a history teacher advocating social justice because of that show. Awesome. And, well, uh, we did. It was, it was a groundbreaking series for yeah, that. Yeah. I remember one, uh, uh, Tony Caruso, uh, who's been dead now many years, but Tony did uh, a lot of work all through the, the old years. And uh, Tony came on the show as, as Chief Somebody. So remember his name on the show? Uh, he was an Indian oh, I chief. Do, I do. Oh, God. Just left me. Just and he did about... No. He did about he did about six or seven episodes, and he, he right. we loved him. He loved us, and it was always a pleasure for uh, Tony Cruiser to be on the show. And I remember the the last one he was on, he uh, he gets killed, and uh, and he's he gets shot. He's laying there in the dust, and we're waiting for him to die. And Billy says, "For God's sake, Tony, die!" And he just he raised him. <laughs> I don't want to die. I don't want to leave the show. I want to work this show some more. <laughs> Another listener writes uh, that they especially like the humor in the series. A good example uh, is one of their favorite episodes, which was uh, entailed Doc Holliday. And uh, the ending when Buck says, that was Doc Holliday. And uh, the person says, I think Big John's life flashed before his eyes. <laughs> do, either, do either of you, Don or uh, Susan, know what Henry's favorite episode might have been? I have no idea. Oh, uh, I, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, I think one of, one of the best ones he did was the first episode he appeared in, which, which I yeah. believe... Um, I'm trying to remember. Was it the pilot or was yeah. it the yes, first? Yes, it was. Yeah. It was part, yeah, part two of the pilot. Right. And he's in the bar and uh, I thought he was absolutely great. Well, I have another clip here from uh, the interview that Susan sent to me. And this is uh, Henry talking about working with uh, Cam Mitchell. So let, let's give this one a, a listen here. There we go. Right. Tell us about Cameron Mitchell. Oh, gosh, he was a pleasure to work with. And, and, and sometimes he, it's like he liked to improvise or give the illusion that he doesn't do his homework, mm-hmm. but he did. Um, uh, sometimes, for example, he'd, uh, it, it, it looked like he wasn't quite prepared and he wanted to, to tape some of his dialogue on my shoulder mm-hmm. and I said no Cam <laughs> so he said oh, well then I'll tape it on the horse and I said that's fine <laughs> so then they're shooting over the shoulder and Cam sometimes as you know had a tendency to look down and, and uh, he was saying you know Mono, uh, Mono I am uh, and what he was doing was reading the script on the saddle there but mm-hmm. when it was my turn to talk instead of talking I go to the horse <laughs> the horse would move and there was his grip oh my goodness uh, that happened once oh. and Bill looked over Bill Claxton was directly was like Henry don't, don't do. I'm sure there must have been a lot of hijinks uh, on the program 
uh, and, and I know Bunker de France was involved in some of those hijinks, and I'm sure Don Collier was. I was. Yeah, I'm sure you were. I was straight laced. I'm sure you were. I was a good, I was a good kid. I'm I sure you I were. I wasn't one of those I'm, I'm sure you were. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, I, talking about Cam, I just, that was one of the great things about uh, Henry work, work, like he, him and Cam would work together, and, and as, as Don said, you know, with Cam, you never knew what he was going to do, when he was going to do it, how he was going to do it, and if he was even going to do it. <laughs> but their chemistry, but Henry's chemistry with everybody was that way. Uh, he, some of, you know, he would do a scene with Mark, and he would really bring out the best in Mark. He'd do a scene with a guest star, you know, uh, and he just he had this capacity. Uh, that you you knew he was in the moment of the scene that he was he was Monolito he wasn't Henry Darrow playing Monolito he was Monolito. Mm-hmm. Question for you, Susan, from one of our listeners: um, uh, Did the producers of the High Chaparral catch any flack from the network because it went against the inaccurate traditional Hollywood stereotypes of Native Americans and portrayed their perspectives? Um, the only uh, criticism we got from the network was that there was, uh, because of the time, there was violence, and we had to cut it out. Uh, we had to rewrite certain things where there, you didn't see anybody shot, and you didn't see anybody killed, and you didn't see anybody. You would, if you notice towards the end of the series, you notice that the Indians may be shot at, but they fall off their horse, they're not dead. Uh, this was all this was during the Robert Kennedy assassination mm-hmm. time and we had to be very careful because they were very sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons the series didn't continue was because of that. We were very we were so real in that uh, era that uh, we couldn't do what we started out doing because of that. Oh, I remember one episode they did, and this was with Cam, and it, it was the episode where something really bad had happened to Blue, and he, Cam has got his gun on the bad guy, and I don't remember who was directing, but they said, Cam, you can't point the gun at him. And that was one of the few times I saw Cam get mad. He said, you know, he says, this guy has just killed, uh, he's just really maimed my, my nephew. Uh, there's no way in the world I'm going to point the gun at the ground or put mm-hmm. it in my own. He says, I want to shoot the guy, but he says, I can't. But he says, you know what, I says, there's no way I will not point the gun at him. And they argued a little bit, and finally the director says, well, Cam, we'll shoot it and hope that they don't cut it out. Did you guys have, Susan, did you guys have a lot of troubles with uh, network sensors? No, that's good. Because uh, Kent wouldn't allow it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, Kent had a temper, and um, if they were saying something foolish to him, they he just would. You know, M- Michael Landon always said, "Where are we shooting the show next year?" Because I think we're running out of studios. <laughs> Kent, would, <laughs> Kent would really let him have it, and um, and as a matter of fact, one year. Uh, Michael said, I think we're going to have to shoot the show in our garage because we're running out of studios. Um, well, and Susan, that was, you know, obviously, you know. Uh, you know, I know that, you know, the, the, the show moved from Or Paramount. a bar. Or a bar. <laughs> yeah, the show moved from Paramount, and it was, uh, as I understand, primarily because Paramount was uh, kind of getting greedy. But can you add anything to that? Um, we, <laughs> again, it's, uh, it's Kent, um, he, uh, he talked to the, uh, the guy who was in charge over at Paramount, and he was being a real, well, you know the word. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, Kent said, we're, we're just leaving. We're not going to stay here with you, you, you know, um, and we, we did, we left for Warner Brothers. Hmm. 
Yeah. All right, we got to do our final commercial break here, guys. Uh, this is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, and our Movie Saturday program is coming to you from the White Stallion Ranch, uh, one of our sponsors, the beautiful White Stallion Ranch. Do check them out online, and uh, it's a great place to come and uh, be a cowboy for a week or whatever. Uh, we're talking about uh, actor Henry Darrow, uh, who passed last week, and our guests are uh, casting director Susan McRae and actor Don Collier. Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. Bunker DeFrance is here, and I'm Harry Alexander. We'll be back with much more right after these important messages. Stay tuned. the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Hymas Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Hymas Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. Read classic Western comics anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net. We're back on Abel Francis of Voices of the West. A bit of saloon music there. You know, you know where you know where I'm going after the show. Yeah, I'm just going a few feet from it. Anywho, Harry Alexander Bunker to France, Todd Roberts, we're back. Our guests are uh, Susan McRae and Don Collier. We're talking about the life of actor Henry Darrow. And um, do either of you know, uh, did Henry have any interest in writing, directing, or producing? As far as I know, he did. As far as I know, no. Susan? Susan, you know anything? I think he he, uh, helped uh, uh, write that script um, 
the the last play that he performed in, mm-hmm. uh, which of course the name just left me, but um, but he I don't believe he he did anything like that to be honest. Does anybody he did some stuff on he, he did some stuff on the East Coast after he moved down to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I don't know what it was, but he I know he worked down there a little bit, not a hell of a lot. One of our listeners says that uh, they were blessed to have met him at many a High Chaparral event and remember a fascinating conversation they had with him about the role in that certain Cervantes. And uh, the, que- yes, the question yes, is, yes. does anybody know what uh, Henry's favorite theater role was that he played? I think he loved to play Cervantes. Mm-hmm. I think he loved that play a lot. Well, and I, I I know that uh, we went out here to see him in when he did it out here mm-hmm. uh, a couple of times. He was great in it, absolutely mm-hmm. great. Well, you know, uh, he did the three Zorros, and I think we need to kind of touch the Zorros, on Zorros, yeah, yeah, because he did the New Adventures of Zorro, which was an animated series, mm-hmm. and he furnished the voice of Zorro, and then he right. followed up right. with uh, Zorro and Son. And there's a line in there that he did that I it just cracks me up every time I think about it. But in the scene, uh, the alcalde is down in the cantina, and, and Zorro Henry is up on the balcony, mm-hmm. and he's contemplating jumping down uh, to confront the alcalde. Now this is the senior Zorro now, and he looks down and he decide and he says. If God wanted people to jump, why did he invent stairs? <laughs> and he walks down. Yeah, exactly. I saw, I, I saw a, uh, <laughs> some, one of the Westerns that we watched. Uh, somebody was saying, uh, well, we'll leave the horses here and walk down to wherever it was. might have been a Lone Ranger, I don't know. But uh, the, the line was, if God had ma- wanted man to walk, he would have given him four legs. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's another line there, too. Uh, he's talking about himself, and he calls himself the Black Blight of San Bernardino. <laughs> nice. Don, have you got anything uh, coming up, uh, or are you just going to stay in retirement for forever now? The only thing coming up for me is my 93rd birthday. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of coming up, We've got the event in October. That's right. Which we yes, look thank for. you. So, uh, Susan, Susan, tell us about it. Tell us in some more. Shameless promotion. Yes. Yes, Chaparral Roundup. It's going to be absolutely fantastic, and it's been postponed because of the stupid virus. But <laughs> it is in October, October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Don Collier is going to be uh, performing his one-man show, which is fabulous. It's so hysterical. And you will love to know the history of him. And if you've seen it once, you haven't really seen it all because he changes the stories every time he does it. <laughs> but it, it is so great. And, and I hope everyone will come because on Saturday, October 2nd, we're going to be at the White Stallion Ranch. Yes, we are. Which is your sponsor. Yep. And I understand you're going to come out there too, right, guys? We are. Oh, yeah. We, we're here every last Saturday. That's right. We're, we're here. In that case, first Saturday. We're here whenever we need to be here. <laughs> We'd love to be here even more well, than, than we are. That's a good thing. <laughs> and I have one more thing to say. If you're a lover of Tony Bennett, I did a yes. great interview with him. He's going to be on my show, oh. which is uh, April the 4th uh, on Sunday, April the 4th mm-hmm. at ksab.org. That's internet radio. It's on demand also, so you can listen to it anytime once it airs April 4th. It is a fabulous interview with Tony talking about his life, talking about his career, and because we all know that he has been diagnosed with uh, a very bad case of dementia now. And But, but right before uh, all of that, I was absolutely honored to talk to him and I think everyone will really enjoy it. And that that's your It'll show, Susan, uh, Getting to Know You, right? No. Actually, I have two new shows. Okay. So this show is called Club, this show, April 4th, is called Club Suzanne, which is like a nightclub. Okay. And uh, my regular show is every Friday. It's called Kaleidoscope. Okie dokie. You know, 
Friday mornings. Anyway, I'm a busy person. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> Don and Susan, thank you so much for being with us. We really, really appreciate it. All right. And that's it for this edition of Amal Franzi's Voices of the West. Todd, thank you so much. And in the immortal words of Cameron Mitchell, 78, 79, 80. That's it for this edition, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, join us again on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Find us on podcasts, all the major podcast distributors. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West.